do your kids experience your love? How do you express it? In this episode, you'll get clarity on understanding yourself, your love languages, and how to embrace them. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Hi, I'm Avital. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am an imperfect mother of four, and I see myself as a performance coach for visionary families. You have a mission for your family. You have a bigger vision of why you came together as a family in the first place. And I am here to help you overcome the stress of daily life, the inherent challenges of raising children, and the societal programming of industrial family life so that you can create family bliss. I hope that you have heard of the five love languages. And if you haven't, let me just quickly catch you up. The five love languages is a book and a philosophy developed by Gary Chapman. And really, it's all about how to express heartfelt commitment to your mate or to your family or to the people around you. It's been developed for parents, it's been developed for the work environment, and it just outlines the way that we each express love and the way that we receive love, the way that we understand love. And it's a brilliant book. It's a brilliant idea. It's very, very helpful in self kind of diagnosis and understanding of how we do things. Because when there's a mismatch between a love language, you know, that you want to receive and the way that your partner or your child or you express that your love, then you might be very loved by someone, but you don't necessarily feel loved by someone. So let me give you an example. One person might need uh, to feel loved by acts of service. If someone washes the dishes for them or picks up their dry cleaning or cleans the floor or, you know, books a doctor's appointment for them, that is they really feel loved by someone doing that for them. Whereas someone else might absolutely not see that as love. It's just, you know, it's helpful, thank you, but I don't feel loved because you did that for me. Um, But I feel love, for example, through physical touch. If you hug me, if you kiss me, then I really feel loved. And then a third person might need words of affirmation. Tell me you love me or tell me I'm beautiful or tell me you do anything for me. And someone else might need gifts, right? When you buy me a gift, I feel loved. And for someone else, again, it could be quality time. Just spend that quality time with me and I know I feel loved. And, you know, it's, of course, this isn't an exhaustive list. And that's what this podcast episode is actually about. We're going to expand on this list and also break it down for you so that you can see the various ways you may be using these love languages already. But as I go through this, I really want you to use it to get to know yourself better and to consider how your child is experiencing these. So uh, your child, it could be your partner, of course, etc. Let's start talking about these love languages and actually break them down. And I want to say this. I want to say that this, this kind of interpretation that I'm about to share with you is a celebration of diversity. It's a celebration of inclusivity. And I know we talk a lot about diversity on the level of gender and race and ethnicity and all of that is beautiful and wonderful. But there is a whole level of diversity that I think we generally don't relate to. And that is neurological uh, diversity, emotional diversity, inner world diversity, right? The inner diversity of how each of us functions in the world and how we interpret life. 
kind of what goes on within us is just as different as what goes on without us on the outside. I mean, not without us, on the outside of us, right? So we are, I think as a humanity, coming to a level of consciousness where we're celebrating the differences in what's going on on the outside of people. Um, And I want to push us further, push myself further to celebrate the diversity of what goes on in the inside of people. And if you think about it, this is profoundly important. And I think at the root of many of our frustrations within relationships, the differences between me and my children may not be ethnic or visible in many different ways. They're not socioeconomic. Uh, With some of them, they're not even about gender, right? Um, The differences between us are our age, of course, but also just who we are on the inside, our temperament, our personality, our character, our belief systems in some cases, um, the baggage that we carry, the history that we have, and all of these things are actually invisible. When you meet someone else, you might judge them on the basis of what they look like on the outside and what you know about their lives. But the truth is that even if someone looks identical to you, even if you're their next door neighbor, or even if you're their sibling and you know them intimately, Ultimately, you don't really know what goes on in the inside. You don't really know what they've experienced or how they've interpreted even your joint experiences together. And I think just understanding that takes it up a notch in terms of compassion and empathy and opening our minds and being uh, the type of communicators and in the type of relationships that are always in beginner's mind, that are always assuming the best of other people and always assuming that they function the way they function for a reason, right? They came by it honestly. (laughs) It may or may not serve them, but they came by it honestly. So this was a long-winded way of saying that our love languages are another thing that is diverse and that we can celebrate those differences. We can celebrate the way we express love and the way we hear and receive love. And I also want to say I do not think these are fixed by any measures. I think that as we expand our kind of perception of love and of the communications that it you know, forms into, uh, so too we can expand the way that we receive it. Just, I guess, like an acquired taste or like our taste buds develop with age and with experience. Um, And we can learn, you know, science has proven that we can learn to like foods that we don't like, for example. So too, I think, as stages of life change and as we change and as we evolve, we experience love languages differently. And I'll give you a personal example, which is I do think that when I was a kid and a teenager, gift giving was a love, 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 <laughs> love language of mine. Um, I both really experienced love receiving gifts and I really had a big focus on giving gifts. So I would spend a long time creating gifts for other people or buying gifts for other people as a way of expressing my love. And as I kind of became more eco-conscious and more minimalistic and, uh, you know, with less of an emphasis on consumerism and materialism, although I still have a long way to go, um, that just felt like it was not an expression of love for me anymore. Now, I still love to give a great gift and I still enjoy receiving one, but it's really not my main modem of, you know, expressing love or of receiving it. And so that's just one example from my own personal life, how these things do evolve. Now, another thing that I wanna say is, I think we sometimes look around and see other people 
you know, stepping into their love superpower, okay? Like you see a mom who is so patient with her kids and just listening and present and curious and just a great communicator with her kids. And you might feel this pang of not good enoughness because you don't kind of go through the world that way. Or you might see a dad who is so great just acts of service. He does the dishes, he does the cooking, he does great errands, he's doing carpool, he's great at, you know, just acts of service for his family. And you're like, wow, I wish I was more on top of things like that, or I wish I was more there for my family in that way. Or whatever it is, right? It could be um, parents who are always hugging and kissing their kids, uh, parents who are happy to, you know, hold their baby for hours, or baby wear, or, or breastfeed long term, or different things like that, that you feel like you are not able to do. There are so many different things it could be. And sometimes we can sort of feel like, oh, that's what kids need. That's what I should be doing, right? And then we start shooting on ourselves um, because we feel like we somehow fall short of that, uh, you know, standard. But what I want to say again is that what I'm about to say is a celebration of diversity, of the diverse ways there are to express love. And as we expand our vocabulary of love, we can dip in and out of all of these, but we can also recognize our superpower, the way that we really are great at expressing love and enjoy that and appreciate that and note that for ourselves and for our children in many ways too. So let me go into them. What I'm going to do is I'm going to share uh, Gary Chapman's five lang- love languages, and then I'm going to add another one for you at the end. I think I could probably add another bunch, but I'm going to just add more, or just one more to expand on it, because I think there's one that's a little bit missing for me, certainly a love language of mine that I think was not covered here. Um, and you can argue with me. I'd love to hear your uh, your opinions on this, if it was covered, if it shouldn't be covered, how you believe it's covered, but I think this might be pretty empowering and helpful for you too. So the first one that I want to cover is words of affirmation. An easy one, right? Just saying, I love you. I appreciate you. I acknowledge you. It's so much fun to be with you. Um, You know, I adore the things you do. It's any words that are going to build someone up. And I want to differentiate this from praise, right? It's not judgment. It's not passing a judgment on someone like, you're a good boy, or you're a good girl, or you're a winner, or you're an artist. It's not labeling either, but it is encouraging. Encouragement, appreciation, and an expression of adoration, of love, of enthusiasm. It's joining in with them when they've when they're celebrating something. It's being curious, like, oh, can you show me what you did? Can you tell me more about that? I would love to hear how your day was. Will you share with me? Any words like that are certainly a love language, right? We don't talk that way to people we're not, you know, showing love to. So telling our kids how much we adore them, telling them the story of how they were born or how excited we were uh, to become their parent or how much joy they bring to our lives, how much we appreciate them, noticing things verbally and acknowledging them, thanking them, um, being grateful, showing our gratitude towards them, showing our awe, right, our inspiration from them. Just generally speaking positively uh, to and about them is words of affirmation. And that is a love language that I think most of us do. If you grew up in a home where it was not said, uh, you know, I love you was not said, or it was not said to children, thank you. 
thanks for your help, or I so appreciate what you're doing. Or if that's just something that you don't access so easily, it might be an opportunity to start thinking, huh, am I expressing my love verbally enough to my kids? Do they hear those words, right? Or to my partner or to myself. Okay, the next one is physical touch. Physical touch, If certainly if you carried your baby, it started, you know, at the fetus stage, it started in utero, and then, you know, maybe you breastfed, again, uh, certainly a love language of physical touch and of nourishment, um, and then it continues, snuggling, baby wearing, hugs, kisses, you know, co-sleeping, Anytime we're stroking our kids' hair or rubbing their back or giving them a massage or roughhousing with them, you know, rolling around with them, playing with them physically, that is something that almost every human needs. And I will say that just note if your children are growing older, you know, if they're past that kind of four or five mark, if you are a little bit falling back on physical touch and you're not doing it as much, once kids are falling asleep on their own at bedtime, we often don't lie next to them and enjoy them and stroke them and get close to them physically and feel their warmth. We don't do tummy time anymore. We don't necessarily, you know, tickle them or roughhouse with them in a way that they enjoy anymore. And we're tired and we're done with that in many ways. So this is just a friendly kind of nudge to hold on to that for as long as we can because before we know it they're not going to want to do that stuff with us anymore they're not going to want to sit on our lap and if you're feeling burnt out or touched out then I totally get it that's fine totally take the space that you need but this is more a note to myself than to anyone else is that I, I you know I have four children and I get a lot of touch in my life <laughs> And I just kind of have to remind myself that my older ones who are so independent and can do all these things for themselves and I don't carry them anymore, they still need those, you know, quote, 12 hugs a day, which they don't get 12 hugs a day, but they need a bunch of physical touch too. Okay, the next one is quality time. And quality time is any time that we're being present with our child. It could be two minutes, it could be 10 seconds, it could be two hours, it could be a whole day or a whole week. Um, but usually it's all about the quality and less about the quantity. Quality time is about being silly, being playful, or just being present, being empathic and connecting, right? Looking someone in the eye, listening with our whole heart, um, not interrupting, being there with them, spending the special time with them. Maybe for you, like me, it's about creating things together, right? We love to do crafts together or read together or learn something new together. So all of that can definitely be, you know, under the umbrella of quality time. And I think just the tip for us all here is in our over-distracted world, I know for one, it's very easy for me to stick in a podcast and multitask while I'm doing this or that with my kids so that I get more done. And it's just a reminder that sometimes I need to really fully step into presence, truly be present and really, you know, seize that moment, create that moment together. And just before I started recording this podcast, I went out onto the trampoline with my littlest um, and we had half an hour together. And I'm not going to lie, it was on the one hand, absolutely gorgeous. You know, the sun was shining, we're jumping together, we're giggling the whole entire time. This was physical touch, this was quality time. There were lots of words of affirmation as well. So it was full on, you know, love fest. But on the other hand, my eye was a little bit on the clock, like, oh, I have so much to do, got to record the podcast, etc. 
And, you know, it's not easy to slow down to a toddler's time. But this was absolutely a meditation for me. You know, I'm listening to the birds chirp. I'm, I'm sensing my body. I'm being present in the moment. And I'm really being, um, being there with my child and enjoying him. And that, when you are saying to yourself, here I am, I'm present, I'm seizing this moment, I'm truly being here. I'm not missing out on my children growing up, then you know that you're spending quality time together. Because the truth is you could go for a whole full-fledged Disney trip with your family and not have a moment of quality time. Let's face it, quality time is not about the vacation or about the activity that you're doing. It's about your inner state. Are you truly there with them? Is it quality, right? Or is it just quantity? Okay, the next one is acts of service. And I wanna say that I think that this is very undervalued, um, but it's, it's a huge one. And I think it's hard for children to recognize this as a love language. I mean, it's not their love language necessarily, obviously it depends on the child, but I think a lot of children don't notice that you're cooking for them, cleaning for them, chauffeuring them around, <laughs> buying their clothes, doing all the things that they need um, and, and just, you know, helping them because acts of service really is a love language. I think that hits home for people who have a lot of responsibility. When you have a lot of responsibility and someone shares that with you or someone takes something off your to-do list, it really feels like love. You really feel seen and loved. And it's, it, 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 I mean, I could tell you for me, it's totally become a love language. When my partner says to me, Hey babe, I'm going to be on this, you know, leave it to me. Wow. Swoon. <laughs> like That totally does it for me because I have a lot of responsibility. And I think for kids, it's kind of like, well, doesn't the world just work? You don't, you know, that's not showing me love. However, I want to just kind of boost you up and say, planning and organizing and homekeeping, running a schedule, you know, caretaking your child's health, caretaking your child's nutrition. These are all supreme acts of love and love languages that you speak. And whether or not your child receives it now, I do believe that they will look back and receive it in the future. It is being embedded into them how well they are loved. And there's a huge difference between parents when it comes to this. And I just want you to pat yourself on the back for all that you do in terms of acts of service. And I'll say it's not to be taken for granted. I think some things come much more easily to some of us than to others. And we all have our own superpowers. So I'll give you an example. I one of my superpowers is creating together, right? I love getting in our in our art room, we call it, our kind of homeschool room, and creating a new project with my kids. We'll create costumes every year for Purim, and follow me on Instagram if you want to see how those came out. Uh, recently, we created a rocking horse together. Like, we take on projects and we create them together, and I feel like, oh, yay, they're learning all these cool things of how to follow a process and working through challenges and being, you know, the creators of your own life. And that's all awesome. But when it comes to say my children's health, okay, or their nutrition, I'm a lot less get up and go. Of course, it's important to me. Of course, I want my children to be healthy. And of course, you know, I take them to the doctor for their physicals and we'll do the things that we need to do. And I'll, you know, really try and be mindful of their nutrition. But that's not somewhere where you can see my superpower shine. Like it's kind of for me something I have to do. And I'm going to expand more on this subject next week when we talk about our zones of genius. But for now, let me just say that Tamara on my team, for example, shout out Tamara. She's incredible at caretaking her son's 
health and nutrition, right? She takes it into her hands. She really goes deep on researching. She gets creative. She'll, you know, take him to the chiropractor and change their diet accordingly and do all the things that need to happen so that her son is in optimal health. And I kind of feel negligent next to her, right? I'm like, oh, well, yeah, they had, you know, whatever it is, her pasta for dinner six nights in a row and just, you know, cereal, whatever. Just random, mediocre, nutritional value meals. And I have to say that that is an example of her superpower love language versus mine. So, of course, we all want to be, you know, acceptable on all these fronts. But we're not all going to shine in all the different areas of love languages. And that's okay. I am really okay with my semi, you know, mediocre uh, nutrition and health emphasis and creativity, I kind of hit what's necessary and don't go beyond. Okay, the next love language is gift giving. And I'm not going to expand too much on this one because of what I've already said. But basically, as we all know, it feels good to receive gifts. It feels good to give gifts. And children in particular definitely, I think, experience this often as love. I just get the feeling that in our current culture and in our current ecological situation, we want to a little bit downplay this as much as possible. And I have a lot of videos about giving experiences as gifts or heirloom quality gifts and that type of thing and how to avoid the overly materialistic consumption uh, emphasis. When Gary Chapman says gift giving, you know, so give your children a gift every day. Well, one of my friends went and actually started giving her child a gift every day, like a $1 gift. But still, first of all, that adds up financially. Second of all, it certainly adds up in terms of clutter. And I think it programs a child to expect this materialistic and consumeristic mindset. And so my friend quickly switched tracks to giving her child a small sum of money instead and for her to be able to save that up and buy a more significant gift, which I think is a much more creative solution to expressing that gift-giving love language. And I think it could be taken a step further where we expand the concept of gifts to include other things, things I make for you, things I draw for you, experiences I share with you, etc. So yes, everybody loves getting gifts, but no, we don't want to be programming our children to be receiving many gifts. And yes, we want to expand our concept of gifts. I think that's my main takeaway there. And now I want to close up with the one, you know, love language that I want to add here. And I'll call this visionary leadership. You know, I toyed with calling it childhood design, but that's another way of saying it. But What I, and you may have noticed that I've recently redefined uh, what I do, which is performance coaching, and who you are, right? Who this audience is, which is visionary families. I think if you're here, you're intentional. You have a vision for your family. You want something more. And I want to say that I think that in and of itself can be a love language. And here's the things that I think it includes. And I think for me, this is a big love language of mine that wasn't really encompassed in the five love languages book. When I work hard on myself, when I work hard to overcome childhood patterns, to overcome my emotional, you know, scars and wounds, to set up a new type of parenting approach to my children... 
That to me is a huge love language. It's a huge investment in my children. It's real work that I'm doing on their behalf. And it's my way of showing them that I love them. It's also my way of showing myself that I love me, right? But this feeling of I am going to disrupt intergenerational pain. I'm going to do the courses, the therapies, read the books, be aware of myself so that I can show up for you, right? It's showing up for someone. And that's why I call it visionary leadership. It's me showing up to lead you well, right? As a parent, that is something that we need to do. And it's the childhood design aspect is me being very intentional that I'm going to design a very different parenting experience for you, a very different childhood for you, or maybe not very different. Maybe it's a continuation of your childhood in many ways, but it's intentional. It's me sitting down and putting time and effort and mind power into your experience. And that branches out into additional areas as well. For example, it's me planning adventures for you or planning experiences for you. I mean, every time you think about how your child's day should be, what school your child should go to, or what educational path they should take, uh, what family experiences you want to craft. Maybe it's vacations, maybe it's certain museum outings or hikes that you go on, right? Um, Any time that you are spending in actually designing and leading your family as a visionary, these are acts of love, right? When you are creating opportunity for your child, right? So for me, I set up an Etsy shop for my son, for example, right? King Shlomo won on Etsy. Go and buy, go and buy. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, yeah, go buy. <laughs> he has great um, pearly bead uh, keychains and they're awesome and you should definitely buy from him. Um, no, but my point is we set up an Etsy shop together because he's into entrepreneurship and he wants to earn his own money. And so to my mind, that is an act of love. I mean, putting time aside to help your child to seize opportunities, to get apprenticeships, to set up a lemonade stand, to make new friends, uh, to learn a new skill, Anything that you are doing to help them enrich their lives, right? Learning to swim, learning to ride a bike, learning to do calligraphy, you know, whatever it is. The experiences, the adventures that we go on, the emotional experiences that we craft for them. I want you to have meaningful, uh, connected bedtime. I want you to have a, a gratitude practice at dinner. I want us to have quiet time after you have a tantrum or during a tantrum. I want you to experience me being there for you, open, calm, connected. Um, quick plug for my peaceful tantrums uh, training. If you are not sure what I'm talking about when I say that and you are experiencing tantrums, just go to theparentingjunkie.com forward slash plus and you can sign up for free for that training. Um, But yeah, so my point here is creating opportunity, enrichment, adventure, experiences, any intentionality that we're coming to our visionary role as the leader of our family with, that is easily uh, positioned and understood in my mind as a love language. And I want you to see it as such. These are absolutely acts of love, acts of self-actualization, acts of you know, intentional living and, you know, higher consciousness and frequencies and all of that good stuff, but also very much an act of love for our children. So if this spoke to you, you're definitely going to want to tune in next week because next week we're actually going to discover your zone of genius and what to do about all of those zones in your parenting that 
aren't your zone of genius, frankly. <laughs> we can't all be a genius at all things, right? So if this spoke to you, head on over to Instagram, shoot me a DM or just comment on my recent post. I would love to hear from you. So I'll meet you back here same time, same place next week. Thanks for listening to The Parenting Junkie Show. If this was helpful for you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribing to the show means you'll get the bonus episodes that I only deliver here. And when you rate and review the show, it helps other parents find it. I'll be shouting out some of my favorite reviews in upcoming episodes and would love to spotlight you. And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste.